everyone, I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. Unwanted, unloved, beaten and abused, a mentally ill mother, a cruel grandmother, and a great-grandmother left to care for the, quote, bastard child whose father was unknown and unnamed. Was incest the reason? One can only surmise, as my next guest did, for the reason for such hate from those that should have loved her most, but abandoned instead. Here to share more of her story is legendary gospel recording artist, comedian, and star of the mega-hit syndicated TV series, Hee Haw, whose role as the lovable Lulu is still garnering raves 25-plus years later with millions of fans worldwide. And now, as author of her just-released This Is My Story, This Is My Song with co-writer Scott England, get ready to hear the real cornfield story from the last of the Hee Haw cast on camera and off. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome a great joy indeed, Dr. Lulu Roman. <laughs> <laughs> Lulu, welcome to Testimony. Thank you. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> I'm doing fantastic. And Lulu, you are a doctor of music, which we'll talk about more in our brief time here today in word and song. First question, it was heart-wrenching to hear the cruel words you say your grandmother spoke over you as a child, mm -hmm. and I quote, you're a little piece of S-H-I-T. No, that's not right. You are a big piece of mm -hmm. S-H-I-T. Words you say still sting today, making you feel unloved, unwanted, mm -hmm. and unworthy. Your grandmother you called Claudine never missing an opportunity to call you fat. Talk about the devastation of those words and how you, Lulu Roman, overcame them. Uh, that's quite a story, it is. Um, I was taken to the orphan's home when I was four years old. Uh, I remember it vividly, I do. Uh, it was in 1950, and I was just four years old, and I remember my great-grandmother wanted me to stay, but my grandmother had no time, uh, nor patience, nor any desire to take care of a bastard child. And so I was taken to a large orphan's home in Dallas, Texas, dropped off, and I sat in a hall on a bench and stared out the window at children playing for hours and as the darkness came a lady came and she said come with me and I said well I'm going home with my granny and she said your grandmother is gone and she said you'll be staying here uh, to which of course I burst into tears and that promptly got my first whipping for me and then I was taken into a room where they had beds. It had the side rails. It pulled up, and you were kind of caged in there 
like a little animal. And uh, they put pajamas on me and just turned the lights off and left the room, left me in there by myself. Mm. And I cried myself to sleep. And the next morning, uh, the hell of my life began. It did. I don't remember much except there was playtime, more spankings, because all I could do was cry. Uh, I, I can remember uh, thinking... All I could think was, my granny left me, my granny left me. And I didn't know how to express the feeling of being left, but I knew that my heart was so broken, all I could do was cry. Mm-hmm. And um, that's that's where the whole thing started, it is. Yes, you were in an orphanage at age four, and you were there for 14 years until you turned 18, and mm-hmm. then they turn you out. You either get 18 or you graduate, and I graduated. Now, what did that mean for you to graduate exactly? What did that mean? Freedom. <laughs> <laughs> it meant freedom. <laughs> it meant I could get out there and do everything that I wanted to and that no one would ever say, thou shalt not again. I thought, oh, yes, thou wilt, and thou wilt as many times as thou canst. <laughs> <laughs> so you got out at age 18. They gave you $50. Yep. No hope. No place to go, nope. really. Tell us nope. what happened next. Well, they made sure that we had a job. The girls were all sent to the telephone company, and I think the guys were sent to the uh, electric companies. We went to work for the telephone company, and I literally was that operator who stuck that thing in that board and said, Operator! <laughs> and uh, got a lovely friend named Lily, <laughs> and she and I have laughed over that a bit as she was the one who kind of made it famous. <laughs> Lily Tomlin, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Lulu Roman, award-winning gospel music legend and star of the syndicated TV series, Hee Haw. Yes, Lulu, please continue. I stayed at the telephone company for about two and a half years. What happened was I determined that no one was going to ever tell me that I couldn't do what I wanted to do again. And so, my bucket list consisted of I wanted to learn how to cuss. And I got it down so well that it cost me my job. And so I found myself out in the street. Did not know what I was going to do. Did not have any idea what kind of a job I could get. I still had my friend. Her name was Peggy. And uh, she was in the orphan's home with me and her big sister, Diane, and I. Uh, ultimately became best friends, and Diane has been one of my dearest friends in all my life to this day still. So we got up and went to work in the mornings. I, I can remember us uh, acting like Laverne and Shirley, skipping, you know, <laughs> like we were going to go to work. And um, I left working at the telephone company, I did, but I didn't get the idea that you weren't supposed to talk in an off-colored manner. So... I was dismissed from that job, and I had a friend that worked there that used to love to go into the Dallas nightclubs, and she would tell us all about it. And long story short, she went into Jack Ruby's nightclubs, and ultimately I ended up working in those nightclubs. We went over one evening, and we're watching uh, girls, um, shall we say, do their thing, and uh, I was standing behind someone, and uh, this was on Friday and Saturday nights. They had amateur night. 
And so uh, we were standing there watching the amateurs. Cause these these were girls that just came straight up out of the the audience and just kind of started taking their clothing off. And uh, I was shocked, and uh, I said to my friend, Lord, have mercy, I could do better than that. And behind me, I heard a voice say, <laughs> I'll bet you 50 bucks you can't. I must tell you that as a young artist back in the day, the king of who I am was one of my very favorite songs to sing. Thank you. And one we will hear, sung by you and Russ Taff, whom I also interviewed for testimony at the end of this broadcast. Powerful, moving, anointed. I just want to thank you for fighting to sing. And a fight it was. Please share with our listeners that story. And then take us behind the scenes of Hee Haw. All this has meant to you and what you are doing today. Lulu Roman, please tell us more. When I first came on to the Hee Haw Show, I was not singing. I sang in high school in the concert choir, and I got up solo every now and then, but I never for a second thought that I would be a singer. I did not. Uh, I always aspired to be a comedian, and so that's what I thought I would be. So it was kind of... Uh, a surprise for me as well for many others that I got to start singing and that the Lord, thank you, Jesus, bless it. <laughs> when I first went on Hee Haw, they wanted, you know, we had a cast of about, I think it was eight when we first started. And when we finished, there was, I think, 50 some odd people that were part of the cast. Uh, at that time, it was so small that they wanted to use everyone's talent for anything they had. So they wanted us to sing, to dance, to do anything that we could. And so they asked me to sing a song called I'm the Only Mama That'll Walk the Line. And that was so insanely bad that they never <laughs> aired it. <laughs> Lord. So when I was with Hee Haw, and in the middle of all that is when I got busted for possession of dangerous drugs, not once but twice. And they told me they were going to put me under the jail. And I said, no, you're not. And they said, what? And I said, I don't fit. Now, I thought it was funny. They didn't. Needless to say, uh, I was looking at 20 years in the state penitentiary. And in yeah. between the time that I came back uh, is when I had my glorious experience with the Lord. My friend Diane, uh, we saw each other in the medical arts building in Dallas downtown, and she screamed, what's your phone number? And I screamed it back to her, and I got in the elevator, and the door shut, and I thought, you fool, what have you done? You have just given her your number, and she's going to catch you doing drugs, and you're going to get busted again. Well, I went up and got what I went for. In a couple of nights, she called on the phone, and then one evening... I heard a knock on the door, and I went to the door, and she and her friend, Diane, and her friend, Paula. By then, I had my oldest son, Damon, and he was six months old. And they brought me a hundred jars of baby food. And I had never in my life experienced anything like that. Because anything I got, I paid for it one way or another. I did. Mm -hmm. And they brought food for my baby, and they never asked for anything, for nothing. And no one had ever showed me that kind of love before. And so when they invited me to go to church with them, you know, my first reaction was no. And then I thought, well, they fed my baby. 
so I better behave myself and go over there with them. So I went to church with them, and I went a couple of weeks before uh, the Lord just began to work in a mighty way. And it happened on April 11th of 1973. And uh, I went to church that night with my friends, with Diane and uh, her friend Paula, and I always sat on the very back row. And so I looked up in the middle of the service, and our pastor was six foot four with silver hair, uh, beautiful blue eyes, was a very attractive man and very stately. And boy, when he stood up, you paid attention because he was a mighty man of God. He was. And so I looked up, and here he came down that middle aisle, and I thought, oh, my gosh, that man is coming after me. And honey, sure enough, he was. <laughs> uh, he stepped into the row in front of me and just grabbed both of my hands. And he said, I know who you are. Now, I had just been busted for possession of dangerous drugs. I'd just gotten out of jail. And he said, I wouldn't embarrass you for anything. But he said, could I introduce you to my church? And I know beyond reason that I said, no, you cannot. <laughs> But the next thing I know, I was standing there in front of him. And he introduced me to this church, Beverly Hills Baptist Church. If you were there, you remember. Uh, the next thing I knew, everybody in that place was around me. They were touching me. They were praying for me. It literally scared me to pieces because at that point in my life, I did not allow people to touch me. I was not good with human touch because I never had it. Mm. And so... The next thing I knew, we went back into his office, and he was very precious and very careful with me. And he ministered to me like you would to a six-year-old child. It was shoved down my throat the whole time I was in the orphan's home. I did not want anything to do with that God stuff. I didn't. But the Lord just used him in such a mighty way that we ended up sitting on the floor and he asked me, would you like to ask Jesus into your heart? And then he said the strangest thing. He said, don't you toy with this. He said, if you want to change, if you want your life to change, then you pray with me. Boy, talk about your life flashing in front of your face. Mine did. And so he prayed a simple little sinner's prayer. And I prayed it right behind him. And when I did, it was like somebody had just lifted a 2,000-pound yoke off the back of my neck. Uh, I got light as a feather. I think I jumped up and started to dance around, and then I caught myself. And he said, oh, no, don't stop. <laughs> he said, anything you want to do to praise the Lord? He said, honey, you do it. Of course, I was in tears. Everybody in the room was in tears. And it was a precious precious moment and I went home and I went to bed and I put my little baby to bed and I got up in the morning and I got my little baby up and I started to clean up the house and clean up the baby and you know I thought well I better get things in order about noon right at almost 12 o'clock I looked at my watch and I thought whoa I haven't had any drugs since yesterday, and I was taking drugs 24 hours a day. I was sticking needles in my vein. I'd gotten to the point that all I wanted to do was just say hi, 
just to get away from the ugliness of reality that I was no one's child and that no one loved me. And when I realized that I hadn't had any drugs, it scared me to pieces. And so I got on the phone and I called Diane and she flew across town to get to me. And I said, I haven't had any, I haven't had any drugs, Diane. And she stopped and she said, Louise, you've been delivered. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> and she Amen. said, you've been delivered. I what? <laughs> Without any withdrawal. With no withdrawal. Why did you write your book at this stage of your life? This is my story. This is my song. And who do you hope it reaches and why? I wrote it because I had so many people ask me if I would do that. I wrote one in the 80s and it was just kind of fluff. Uh, now, after all these years, I've had so many people say, would you please, you know, tell us what happened? It was... A wonderful experience it was. A young man, Scott England, who I had heard people talk about anyway. And I'd, I'd never met him before, but I knew that he wrote some other famous country music stars' life stories. And I read uh, just bits and pieces out of some of those, and I was very impressed with his ability to make you feel what that person is saying in the author's words and almost as though you can hear their voice. And Scott's just wonderful with that. The Lord is just awesome in him to be able to do that. And that's how it is written. It's beautifully yes. written. I read every page, couldn't put it Thank down. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Lulu Roman, legendary gospel recording artist, comedian, star of the mega-hit TV series, Hee Haw, now syndicated 25-plus years. Lulu, we talked in our last segment that you were... I would call a drug addict's addict and a dealer mm -hmm. whose large consumption would have left most dead, but not you, not even in your attempts to take your own life. You talked a little bit about how you received supernatural deliverance from your addiction without withdrawal. Now take us to the time when you had the possibility of 20 years in prison and the little lady God used to hide the records and how it all eventually ended up getting dismissed. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, there was, God just had this symphony of people, you know, doing things behind the scene and, and working with me. And, and this sweet little lady that worked in that judge's office down there, uh, we found out that she had taken that judgment uh, against me or whatever, and I think maybe put it in the very back of that drawer and they didn't even find that until you know 20 or 30 years later when she was retiring and uh, by then it was like oh <laughs> uh, I believe with my whole heart that God orchestrated every bit of that I do miraculous it was and in my life in jail the next day you know a very confused judge sat there and gave me a probated sentence after I had already been given probation twice. Someone even asked him, why did you give her probation? And he said to them, I don't know. <laughs> he didn't know. That was I his thought, answer. I know. <laughs> <laughs> amen and amen. And in your book, you recount how all of these people came into the courtroom. They did. And yeah. they were all saying and mumbling something. And that was actually mm -hmm. your church walking yes, the halls, was. praying. 
judge defense. at one point said, who is that? Who are those people? I said, oh, I'm sorry, that's my church. <laughs> <laughs> now, Lulu, you've gone on to sing on every stage, television program, every national ministry, sharing your testimony. And at that time, you say in your book that you didn't even know what a, quote, testimony was. And your friend I said did. to you, Lulu, you can't share all of that. They're not going to be able huh? to handle it. Talk about that. that. Was, yeah, that was Diane. And she said, they're going to want you to give your testimony. I said, what is a testimony? And she said, well, that's where you tell what God has done for you in different situations. And I said, oh, okay, well, I'll tell them about this. She said, oh, no, you can't tell them that. And I said, okay, so I'll tell them about this. She said, no, you can't tell them that either. <laughs> she had to uh, edit me down, shall we say. And so I learned how to give a testimony. Of course, now, with the Lord just being so awesome, the joy of being able to tell what God's done in my life just kind of flows out now. It does. <laughs> well, it does. So I want to get to, you've been married three times, and one of your husbands you call the, quote, love of your life, even though he cheated, was unfaithful, eventually abandoned the family and your then young son, but later in life, your son would reconcile with the father. Talk about why you chose these men. To be truthful with you, I was not married to John. Kind of a common law marriage, what they called it back then. As a little fat girl, then I was used to people making fun of me and being ugly and arrogant too. John was the one who always told me I was beautiful. And I remember we were best friends first before we fell in love. And there were some really precious years there, there were. But John loved the ladies. <laughs> he did. And so that was kind of the downfall of my life with him. But mm -hmm. yeah, we were, we were never married. We weren't. That's my son's father. Right. But there's something very powerful about being validated by a man, which brings mm -hmm. me to my next point, Lulu. You're a born-again, spirit-filled Christian. You love Jesus released many albums, you've sung all over the world, you're a powerful witness and a testimony and an evangelist for him. So, question, is having a heavenly father more important than having an earthly father, and why? Absolutely, it is. Uh, the reason being, having a heavenly father, you know that you will be with your Heavenly Father for eternity if you truly do have a Heavenly Father, if you have accepted that for your life. And that's, that's the, the victory in the whole thing, is knowing that you'll be with God for an eternity and that He is your Father. Amen and amen. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally renowned gospel music hall of famer, comedian, and star of the mega hit history making and now syndicated TV series, Hee Haw, whose popular cast member, Lulu Roman, is still garnering laughs and joy and music today. Her just released autobiography, This Is My Story, This Is My Song, with co writer Scott England and is a must-read. You can learn more about Lulu's work, ministry, and mission by visiting luluroman.com, get her book at luluromanbook.com, and catch her on tour at cornfieldfriends.com. You will be blessed, inspired, 
and encouraged that you did, Dr. Lulu Roman, and that you are, not only of music, but of the heart and soul. Your book, This Is My Story, This Is My Song, is a marvelous testament to the glory of God, the goodness of God, the miracle-working power of God, and yes, the overcoming power we can all have with God through a life surrendered to Jesus Christ as you have. You've lived it, you know, and are still beautifully living it today. And Lulu, I just want to add, you wrote this book, and in the middle of the writing of your book, you lost your son, Justin, whom you dedicate this book to. And the ability to write with such devastation that no mother should ever have to endure is a miracle all its own. I, I can't help but think how proud he must be to look down Thank upon you. his mother now. Thank you. And her glorious testimony. Thank you. God bless you. And now, ladies and gentlemen, I give you Lulu Roman, the king of who I am. My heart has known your peace I've traveled far, still there is far to go Cause in my heart there is a longing To look upon your face Where you are is where I want to be
testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensen Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ, one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensenbard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for Testimony. Testimony.